So we continue this morning with the series on the Beatitudes um, from Matthew chapter 5. And this morning we look at uh, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. In the Irish Times, in an article on March the 4th in 2018, an article about the importance of relationships and belonging, the author of the article, John Cherry, wrote, Our mental health and personal well-being are tied up in the quality of our personal relationships. The more closely we are connected to the people we love, the happier we feel and the more personal satisfaction we have in our lives. Most people rate moments of connection and shared enjoyment with their loved ones as their most important life experiences. These important relationships not only include family and personal friends, but the wider groups and communities we also belong to. Then, in a masterful piece of understatement, as he continued on in the article he said, wrote, creating and maintaining happy personal relationships and belonging to positive communities is not straightforward. Conflict can develop, relationships can break down and they can become stressful. Even in the church, amongst those who are followers of the Prince of Peace, tensions Relationship breakdowns can occur within church families, between church marriages and members of the church. Conflicts can and do develop. And this is no new thing, and of course that's not, not saying anything, absolutely anything out brilliant. We can go right back to the very early days of the church, which suffered conflict. We find Paul writing to the Christians at Philippi and entreating two members of the church at Philippi, Yoda and Syntyche, and he writes to them and says, I urge Yoda and Syntyche to agree. And then we can look at the church at Corinth. Uh, Anyone who would want to be in charge of a church of that kind really doesn't know what pastoring is all about. He was a church riven by division, by conflicts, by personal rivalries, by party spirit, by arguments over the resurrection and arguments over spiritual gifts. But even the great apostle Paul was not immune from conflict. It was Paul and Barnabas who were the um, two colleagues on the first missionary journey. But at the beginning of the second missionary journey, they entered into a violent dispute over whether they should take Barnabas's cousin Mark. Barnabas's cousin Mark had left them in the first, on their first journey and returned to Jerusalem. But Paul did not want to take him. But Barnabas insisted, yes, Mark must come along with us. And the scripture reads, and they had virtually what amounts to a violent argument. It's the word we get, we don't use very much there, is paroxysm. And they got really stood up. So much so that Barnabas and Paul, who was writing to, who would later write to Yoda in Syntyche to agree, split. They went their own separate ways. If peacemakers were needed in Jesus' time, and if peacemakers were needed in the time of the early church, 
it's not much to conclude that they are still really desperately needed today, even in the church. A simple definition about peacemakers. A peacemaker is one who seeks to reconcile people with disagreements. A peacemaker is one who seeks to reconcile people with disagreements. Let me just look at a couple of biblical <clears throat> examples, first of all, of peacemaking. John chapter 4, a story which would be familiar to many of Jesus as he travels through Samaria. Let me just read a few verses from chapter 4 about Jesus' encounter with one particular person of the Samaritans. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the, town, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son. Now, Jesus was there, um, tired as he was from the journey, and sat down by the well. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. In fact, there was in some, among some Jews and some Samaritans, they despised one another. But Jesus there sits down, or sits down and asks this woman for a drink. We see here Jesus breaking barriers, breaking barriers and crossing barriers of enmity. The enmity had gone on for some quite a long, long time. And then... He reaches out to this woman, to a Samaritan, first of all, which is bad enough, and then to a, a woman that to compound the issue. And he reaches out there and broke down across these barriers of enmity and then begins to discuss worship and faith. The woman believes and the town follows suit as she, she goes back to the town and tells them about the one who had told her everything about his own life. But what is interesting here as far as peacemaking goes is the power of presence. Jesus being there and speaking to the woman. That led to another thing that led to, further, that led to other things as well. And then it led to her belief and finally to, the, to those of the, people, of the town from which she had come from. Another example there is the one of the other, another well-known story of the Good Samaritan. The man sets out from, Jer uh, from Jerusalem to travel to Jericho. It's a dangerous road. He's set upon by uh, robbers. He's beaten up and left on the side of the road. You know the story. Along comes a Levite, passes, sees the man and goes across the other side of the road and keeps walking. Along comes a priest, sees the man lying there and moves across the other side of the road. And it comes a Samaritan. Remember, these are the Samaritans who don't have anything to do with Jews. And this is the real power of the story. And yet he doesn't pass by, but he had a good historical reason to do so because they, Jews and Samaritans despise one another. But he stops and he gets involved. It would have been difficult, I suspect, but he stops binds up the man's wounds and gets involved. And in both cases, we have the power of being there, of actually reaching out, of speaking to someone who is an outcast or separated, someone who is an alienated. And here is a man who actually touches and binds up 
the wounds. What is further interesting about this, now this is not to say that suddenly there's reconciliation between Jews and Samaritans, far from the case. But we read a bit later on in the book of Acts where one Philip the Evangelist travels to Samaria, preaches the gospel in Samaria, and multitudes upon multitudes are converted. Another example, perhaps which we not not normally think of initially about um, peacemaking, concerns Jesus when he comes into Jerusalem prior to those Passover, which would eventually lead to his crucifixion. One of the things he does when he comes in, he comes in and prior to um, having the Passover with his disciples, goes into the temple. Let me just read to you from Matthew chapter chapter 20, I think I've got down here. Let me just check. Oh, it's not as good as... 21, I've got it still there, good. 21, from reading from Matthew chapter 21. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now this initially doesn't seem like peacemaking, but it is peacemaking by confrontation. Because there are a group of people, the Gentiles, who were, by the virtue of the fact that one part of the the temple area, which they had access to, and the only place they did have access to, had become a marketplace in one sense, where uh, sacrifices were sold, money money changing took place. And they were sort of, it alienated them. It was sort of excluded them. And of course the poor and the, the poor people as well were being oppressed. So Jesus conducts peacemaking by confrontation and overturns the tables and drives out the money changers. Now, this is peacemaking through righteous anger. But no violence, no physical violence towards people themselves. And so Jesus seeks then to establish, again, to make possible peace and to make possible peace in the temple because he says this place was supposed to be a house of prayer for all people. But there were some people who were excluded. And so Jesus seeks to make peace again in the very place, the very place where it should be, in the temple which represented the presence of God. So outsiders could share in the peace of God. Now, I said I gave a simple definition at the very beginning and there'll be a test at the end and you won't get out until you pass the test. A peacemaker is one who reconciles people with disagreements. But that definition needs a context because peacemaking today is a very crowded field. Is a very crowded field. Many today in our society work for peace. It wouldn't have been the case in Jesus' time, but today many work for peace. The United Nations, the world body, in Article 33 of the UN Charter has a charter which outlines peacemaking. 
And it, that, the, the United Nations Charter, Charter of 30, United, the Charter, Article 33 outlines how the Secretary General, the Security Council, and the Assembly itself can be involved in peacemaking. And the United Nations also publishes online a meditation support tool providing resources for those involved in peacemaking. Within Australia, there are many organisations involved in reconciling conflicting couples and people in relationships. Relationships Australia is one such organisation which spends a lot of time and energy in reconciling or seeking to reconcile people involved in conflict. And there are many involved in the Indigenous, non-Indigenous issues there and seeking to bring about reconciliation there. Peacemaking today is a very crowded field. There's been a lot of controversy in the press, and many of you will be aware of it, over the issues of religious freedom and freedom of speech and all that's been involved. And a lot of that has been circulating around the, the person of one Israel Folau, former member of the Australian Wallabies team. Uh, that's caused a lot of angst, anxiety, a lot of tension, and sometimes we get drawn into that tension. And it seems that in many parts of our community today, there is a lack of peace. I'm very interested to read some of the comments by Tim Costello, Baptist minister, former director of the World, um, sorry, World Vision, and now a fellow with the Centre for Public Christianity. Some of the comments he's been making and speaking into these issues. And I found those comments that he's made and they've been published and I can give you the links later on if you're interested. But some of the comments that he's been making have been very much an area, in an area of peace making. This is peace making at a national level level and a good example i think too but for most of us uh, we can't speak into issues at a national level and our involvement if at all will be with um, on an individual basis but these organizations do do good work and they're organizations which we can if we're able to support so peacemaking is a very crowded area so i think we need a context for jesus words today Matthew 5, and the context comes as we look again back to the passage. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called children of God. At the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew records how Jesus gathered the disciples together. They're on a mountain, in a mountain, and the disciples came to him. And they were the ones to whom Jesus was speaking. But we read a bit later on at the end of the recording of the, the, gospel, uh, of the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 7, where the crowds listened in as well. So the disciples were there and Jesus was teaching the disciples. But the crowds were listening in. Both disciples and crowd were being called to make a decision, to make a decision whether they would be following Jesus Christ. What am I saying? What we're saying here then, in the context of this, of the, which we find the Sermon on the Mount, on the context in which we find the words of Jesus, blessed are the peacemakers, we find that peacemakers work for peace in the name of God. Because that's how God's family lives. God is, at least twice and maybe on some more occasions, God is called the God of peace. And God has made peace possible through his Son through reconciliation. Paul wrote and reminded the Roman Christians and us today 
we today to whom Jesus speaks. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God. God makes peace possible through his son, makes reconciliation available. God's agenda is peace. So this justifies that we have, by faith, peace with God, is the starting point for Christian peacemakers. Our peace with God, achieved through Jesus Christ, by the God of peace, is the place from which we start. Now, I would say that the text is fairly straightforward. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And it doesn't need really much elaboration. You may ask, well, what am I doing here, standing here, and you're looking very politely at me? But it doesn't. I mean, it seems fairly straightforward, as I think. Maybe I've missed something. But the te- I think the text is straightforward. But practice of peacemaking is problematic. The doing of it is where the issues really begin to press in upon us. Why don't we, why don't I, do more in the area of peacemaking? Why don't I get more involved than I do? Well, I will confess, and maybe you share that too, I don't want to get involved. Sometimes the issues that I'm aware of, I'd say, that's for someone else, more skilled than I, better equipped than I. Frankly, and it's not easier to say this, but I don't want to get involved. I draw back. I'd rather be a peace liver, and I agree with peace, and I like it in principle, but the doing of it can be so difficult. We might be rejected. It may involve confrontation. And sometimes peacemaking does come through confrontation, as we saw with the case of Jesus. Maybe misunderstood. And all these thoughts flow through my mind. And it's easier just to sort of, maybe that's another problem, someone else's problem. Maybe I'll pray, but that's it. Peacemaking can involve and does involve, I would suggest, patience. Peacemaking can take time. Be easy to think, well, just a prayer and that's it, that's finished, or just a few words here and there. But peacemaking can take time. Paul and Barnabas did reconcile, but it took some time. Paul was reconciled to Mark, but not straight away. It did take time. Peacemaking can involve risks. It can involve and sometimes does involve moving outside our comfort zone. Moving into areas in which we don't feel entirely at home with. Moving into places where we'd rather not necessarily be. And I mean... Who wants conflict? If you do, well, maybe. 
Uh, maybe we should have a little talk. Um, I don't really. I don't, who seeks it out? Uh, some people might, but um, keep it to yourself. Um, it moves. It, it just sometimes takes risks. And I tend to be risk-averse myself. Risk-averse. Furthermore, thankfully, I don't have the gifts. But if you notice the examples we used at the beginning, um, a little earlier, Jesus, the woman of Samaria, the good Samaritan, here was the power of being there. Of actually maybe not necessarily having all the fine words and flowering phrases, but simply being there in a situation where people are in conflict, simply to be there sometimes can be a powerful step towards peace-making. No need for long, big, big speeches, simply for being there. It was the touch of the Good Samaritan in healing the, the wounded man. It would have meant so much in crossing a barrier of enmity. The power of presence. We, we overlook it. Oh, who am I to be involved in such a situation as this where people are in conflict? But, you know, just being there sometimes is so powerful, can be so powerful. And sometimes we can have unrealistic expectations about what peacemaking will produce. Christian peacemakers work towards changing behaviours and changing attitudes. But sometimes the reality is we'll have to be content with changing behaviours. That may be a good step forward in peacemaking. Uh, some years ago when I was uh, pastoring a church, um, a younger pastor then, <laughs> uh, there was two families in leadership who were in conflict. And because they were in leadership, I mean, two families in conflict, in, lead, in conflict was bad enough, but two families who were in leadership in conflict was, also, was not good. And I was a young, inexperienced pastor and uh, struggling to know what to do because these are two very strong families as well. So I couldn't let the situation go on. So I, what I did was I organised for the two families to get together and we had a meal together. And we also had, we shared around the Lord's table together to bring them, and we got them, I got them talking to one another and we shared the com communion together. I mean, it's pretty, you've got to be pretty desperate when you argue at the Lord's table. Uh, and so I got them talking together. And I, at the end of the evening we were spent together, was feeling, you know, quietly pleased with myself. Uh, steps had been made, I thought, uh, two very strong families. And uh, so I went to bed, uh, <laughs> pastoring, I can do this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, good luck on that one. Um, <laughs> as a week, a little bit later on, I was having a lunch with one of the people, one of the men involved in this. And as the lunch went on, he began to talk about the other party, 
in terms which made my heart sink. And I left, and the way in which he was critical of the other party uh, just left me, I, I left that lunch and totally devastated in that. I thought, what was, had gone on? And yet further on down the track, steps had been done. I found out later on that steps, they were talking again. And sometimes peacemaking, you have to agree to disagree. And peacemaking doesn't always mean everyone agrees with everyone else on every situation. But in this case, despite my initial apprehensions, steps had been made. And a sort of a... uh, a, There was a, a reconciling, but there was no agreement on everything. And sometimes peacemaking, as I said, you have to agree to disagree, and that's all right in some cases. So peacemaking sometimes is messy. It does require time. It does require patience. It does require some risk-taking. But blessed, blessed, are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God because they're doing God's agenda messy as it is messy as it may seem now peacemaking is such blessed are the peacemakers it's such a vast topic it's immense and we've only just touched on a few of the the issues and Sometimes it is in the practicalities and the doing of it that the issues arise for us. Relationships. Can't live without them. Can't live with them. The challenge for myself, the challenge I think for all of us, is to show the family likeness. To be willing to take a risk to be willing to be present, to willing to sort of embrace those who are on the outside of things, who are the alienated. Um, we have, and at night, we have ten grandchildren. I know what you're thinking. I'm so young looking, couldn't have that many grandchildren. It's not possible. <laughs> I get that all the time. Um, delusional to boot. Um, ten grandchildren, and we sometimes comment, when they're born, as they grow up, oh, Sarah is like a mother. Jesse's like his father. In other words, they're simply showing the family likeness, which can be embarrassing sometimes. But anyway, they're showing the family likeness. Blessed are the t- peace. Nearly did it. I've got so far. Don't you get me excited. <laughs> I've come this far and I haven't done it. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they will be called the children of God. Paul, in dealing with some conflicting opinions regarding foods, dietary issues, observance of certain days, writing to the Roman Christians, as he dealt with these issues, he wrote this. Let us then pursue the things that make for peace. The things that make for peace. Let's pursue. Let's be intentional. Let's take the risk. Let's be present. Let's cross a few barriers to 
be peacemakers. So as we finish, let's pray. I want us to pray two prayers, quietly. First prayer is, we may know of situations of conflict. Maybe in a family situation, maybe in some home, in a neighbourhood, maybe it's a, where you study, where you work. You know situations of conflict. And I want you to pray for those situations of conflict now, quietly, in your own words. Let's just spend a moment of quietness thinking of those situations. At the God of peace, maybe at work in those situations. Another prayer as we finish off. This one, just asking God to show you and I how we might be peacemakers. Even though that may be scary, a scarier prayer to pray, um, to pray that prayer that in some way, by simply being in situation, whatever the case might be, that God might show you and I how we might be peacemakers. And so, Lord, as we go to another week, with all that it will hold and some situations of conflict, tension, grant us the grace to show the family likeness and to be peacemakers. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much.